Let us pray. Gracious God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help us to hear you this day so that we would follow your way in all that we say and do. Amen. The scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If then you will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I wrote to you all in my letter to the congregation this weekend that it was two years ago, in March of 2020, that this church and churches all over the world closed their doors as a virus began to show us just how strong and serious it was. And it was two years ago, in March of 2020, that you voted and invited me to come and be your pastor. I continue to hope and pray those things are not related. I did hear from a number of you in response that while you are happy for all that this next step forward means, the reality that it has taken us two years to get here, the reality that you and I have never known each other outside of all of this, Well, it left you with tears in your eyes and a bit of weariness in your hearts. And then, of course, there is a war in Europe, a war that some experts are already calling the Third World War. It is at present physically far from us, but it is not happening apart from us. 
Cumulative trauma was first used to describe what happens when there is excessive wear and tear on tendons and muscles and nerve tissue over an extended period of time. But what's true for the body is also true for the mind. And cumulative trauma is excessive wear and tear on the psyche, the spirit, and the soul over an extended time. Something that everybody knows too much about right now. So how are we to come to Lent? A season in our liturgical life that is generally regarded to be intentionally austere and stripped back. How are we to think about giving things up when so much has already been taken from us? Basically, we're not going to. We're going to have a different kind of Lent this year. If you were with us on Ash Wednesday, you've had a taste of it already. That wasn't a fluke, though. It was just a sign of what is to come. Because you see, more than it is about anything else, Lent is about preparing us to appropriately receive Easter. And this year, I can't help but think that what we need in these six weeks ahead is a bit of a breather. Permission to rest, an encounter with gentleness, a chance to let go of the things that are heavy, maybe even a minute or two to heal. I believe that is how we will become fully ready to welcome resurrection. It will be a different kind of Lent, but make no mistake, it will not be Lent with different stories. One of the most remarkable things about the gospel is that it speaks to us wherever and however we are. And so we start this Lent with the same story we always do. The story of Jesus in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. The great old preacher Fred Craddock, he suggests that this is the scene where Jesus is figuring out what it really means to be about God's business. It's only chapter four. He hasn't even officially started his ministry yet. He is not yet anything we know he will eventually become. The first temptation the devil offers is social. Will Jesus' ministry be one of turning stones to bread? Hungry people would certainly hope so. The second temptation is political. Will Jesus compromise his soul in order to achieve good for the people of this world? And oppressed people would certainly hope so. The last temptation is religious. Will Jesus win Jerusalem by coercing faith, by avoiding death, by the display of supernatural power? Anyone longing for proof in God's sovereignty would certainly hope so. But Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us. And Jesus turns to scripture at every turn and refuses to allow anyone to restrict 
or define his ministry. He refuses to be about any one thing so that he can be about everything that matters. And that is at the core not just of his ministry, but of his very identity. Did you catch how the devil starts each of those offers? If you are the son of God, if, are you, Jesus, he's asking, are you really, do you believe it deep down enough to show me? Now Luke is particularly well equipped to handle this moment. You might remember that the temptation of Christ in the wilderness shows up in three of the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell the story, and in all three versions, Jesus is baptized right before the temptation. Jesus is claimed by God as God's beloved son. But Luke, Luke doubles down on highlighting who Jesus is. Because when Luke tells the story, the action sequence is still baptism, temptation, but he adds a little reminder in the middle of that. He adds a genealogy of all things in the last words of that long family tree, emphasize it again, son of God. It's like God and Luke together are shouting, this is who Jesus is, son of God. So when the devil shows up and says, if you are the son of God, Jesus doesn't have to buy into it for even a second. He doesn't have to give in to the taunt. He resists the temptation because he knows exactly who he is. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He doesn't dignify the devil with a response of his own. He just leans on scripture. But his silence actually speaks volumes. Oh, I am the son of God, he communicates. I am and there is nothing that you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to get in my way. There's nothing you can do to offer me. There's nothing you can do to hold me back. There's nothing you can do because I am in control here, not you. Jesus resists the temptation to compromise his identity so that we can resist temptation too. So that, among other things, we can resist the temptation to despair. Because it is easy to despair these days, and despair is insidious, and unbridled despair can even be evil. A week or two ago, in the earliest days of Russia's invasion, preachers all over the country began to do what we always do in moments of that magnitude. We started calling our other preacher friends and asking, what do we do now? What do we say now? And one friend, in a fit of tremendous honesty, she said, does it even matter 
What sort of difference does it make? She said, we are essentially professional talkers. How does anything we say make a difference when war is unfolding on the other side of the world? It was a moment of despair. And thankfully, it was one that did not linger. But you don't actually have to be a preacher to relate to her questions. When so much is so wrong, how can anything I say or do make any difference at all? The temptation is to give in to that despair, to believe that giant problems need giant solutions and that we are just simply too little that we have far too little, too little influence, too little knowledge, too little power, too little proximity, too little energy, too little everything. That feeling though is not because we are lacking or deficient, it's because we are human. And to despair of our humanity is to despair of our God-given identity. And that's where trouble creeps in. You see, God created us exactly the way God intended for us to be. We were created by God to have limits. That was not a design flaw. We can have limits because God does not. We can have limits because Jesus stares down the devil and declares, you will not limit who I am or what I can do. We do not have to despair of our limits because even before he preached a sermon or taught a lesson or shared a meal or healed anyone, Jesus went into the wilderness and figured out what it meant for him to be about God's business. And what it meant, and what it still means today, is that there is no realm, not social, not political, not religious, not individual, not communal, there is no realm where Jesus does not stand up to every form of evil and declare, thank you very much, I am the one in control here. Jesus resisted the temptation to compromise his identity so we can resist the temptation to despair. If you are the son of God, the devil said, and again, Jesus didn't even dignify that with the response. He spoke only holy words, words of scripture, words that have always been more than enough. But he didn't stop there. It was some three years later, after he was a leader and a preacher and a teacher and a healer. It was after all of those things, after it was after he was all of those things that his life hung in the balance. He was on the cross and the crowds jeered at him, if you are the son of God, they said, if you are, come down from that cross. And he could have. He could have then, just like he could have before. 
But once again, he refused to compromise his identity. He refused to save himself so that he might save us instead. From beginning to end, Jesus knew who he was and what he was called to do. It might not seem like much, but it's everything. And if we can remember it, if we can make our peace with our limits so that Jesus can show up and show us again that his love and presence, his power and control are without limit, well, there will be no reason to despair. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen.